I just want to tell you, first and foremost, that um, y'all are the greatest people that I know. I know you sit there and say, well, John, you say those things, but I, I really mean that. This church has my heart. Uh, you've always had my heart. And uh, I just want you to know that. I want you to know how much I truly, truly, truly love you. And I pray that the Spirit of God today moves mightily in and through us. Now, not to bore you too much, and I apologize for, the, for that, but I feel like people need to know that, they, that you're loved. Um, because that's important to me to hear. And I wanted to hear those things. So I want you to know that I feel like that my life is called to be with you. Some of you are like, John, I don't want your craziness. That's okay. You have to love me in Jesus' name or you're going to burn. So you're stuck. I'm, I'm kidding, of course. But what I am saying is this, that there's this, it kind of reminds me of this new movie. Um, well, it's not a new movie. It's a remake of 1959, Charleston Heston. Does anybody remember, like, watching Exodus around Easter every year? Charleston Heston. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Yeah. No. The guy that played Moses? Yeah. The dude is a stud. He's a stud. I mean, he comes out of the mountain and his face is glowing. I was like, oh, you're like, oh, that happened to me. You know, freaking everybody out of school. And so this new movie coming out, Ben-Hur, is a remake of that. There was a, that book actually, in 1852, the Ben-Hur book, Christ. that book overtook Uncle Tom's Cabin as the number one bestseller. Uh, Harriet Beecher Stowe, who I told y'all about, uh, and and how like her father was influenced by Timothy Dwight, who's a hero of mine, and it was interesting. But let me just say that kind of book in 1852 became the, the nation's bestseller, and then they make a movie out of it. This Ben Hur, this new movie come out as a remake. But I love the commercials of Ben Hur. I love infomercials of the, the, the just showing the little bit clips of the movie. I love it where he looks like he's standing in front of. One of the Roman leaders, I don't know if it's Caesar, who he's standing in front of. And the guy looks at Ben-Hur. And he says this. And, oh, it just got me jacked. I just wanted to run through Golden Corral. He got me jacked. And he looked at him and he said, death or peace. He looks at the guy. He looks at Ben-Hur and he says, death or peace. And my favorite part, Ben-Hur looks at him and goes, like, yeah, somebody got hit with that line. Like, that you ready to go. I mean, I was ready to knock down Jake. I was excited. I'm a nine-year-old. I was pumped. You know, I thought, this is amazing because it was a third option that nobody thought about. The third option, it just hits you right between the eyes because the two options that the king says, these are the only two options that you have, and yet something welled up within that man, and he gave him a third option. It's like what the world says to us. The world puts us in a box. The world says what you look like, what you've been given, how much money you have. You only have two options. But when Jesus shows up somebody, you don't know what I'm talking about today. But when Jesus shows up, there's a third option. Galatians 5, verse 1, the whole really beautiful part of the book, it was for freedom that Christ set us what, saints? So what happens is Christians hear this today, you're here and you hear freedom and you're sitting there and you're like, Jesus, what do you want me to do with this freedom you got? 
listen, I want you to understand something. I want you to understand the beauty of Jesus Christ. I want you to understand the beauty of the Lord. That the world says we have two options. You either become a weirdo, you become nothing, or you live this way and you're cool and you're hip and you can rock your skinny jeans, or, or you're nothing and Jesus shows up and says, you know what? I came that you might have life. And I've sent you free for a purpose and a calling that belongs to me. So God so loved the world, saints, that he won. He gave who? He gave Jesus. Jesus then dies on the cross for our sins. And to prove he is who he is, he was raised on the third day, stomping out Satan's last attack on humanity, which is death, showing that he is victorious. And he does that and gives us the gospel that we have an open heaven, that we can be with him, that his presence can be with us forever, starting right now with the Holy Spirit. For those who will surrender their lives to him, that is called grace. We don't deserve it. We shouldn't get it. We are hell-bound. We are haters of God, as John Piper would say. But yet, in God's great love, he still gives. The Bible puts it this way. For while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. So we get grace, and you hear the gospel, and then the Holy Spirit did something in your life, and you and I in this room responded with faith. We said yes to the gospel. We said that the life that I can live is not more satisfying than the life that I can have in Jesus. Come on. So we say yes to Jesus Christ. We say yes to his beauty. Yes to his satisfaction. Yes to what we can have in him. And so now we are no longer, we are no longer living for ourselves, but we are living for him who not only died for us, but was raised again. So we are crucified with Christ, but yet we live. So now God then says, now you are going to be my picture of grace, and I am going to put you in a place of brokenness, and I'm going to send you to places you would never go, because there's a third option. The world gives you two, but Jesus makes you new. And so, we have a third option, and many Christians don't walk in that freedom. I'm not talking about you, but many Christians don't walk in it, because we're so afraid of failure, of doing the wrong thing in front of God. We're just bound by the chains of what can happen. But here's the beauty of Jesus. The beauty of Jesus is when we receive Jesus Christ is our Lord. We respond to that grace that was in the Because of grace, was out of love, we say yes. We now get mercy. Mercy, mercy. You can do no wrong that Jesus can't fix. Yes. That will make you do a lot. Somebody. And so what happens is, now that we can do no wrong, it doesn't matter if I speak in preaching. It doesn't matter. What matters is, am I going to take a step of faith for the Lord? Because if I take a step of faith and I stink at preaching, guess what God will say? You might stink at preaching, but you don't stink at this. Because I'm anointed and calling. So God is calling us now to walk in this place of mercy. And when we don't have to worry about failing, then guess what? We can live free. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. To live for free. So then, Bobby, you, the Spirit of God spoke to you and took you to Philippians chapter 2. Let's look there before we go into Galatians because it's so poignant and so powerful and lines up exactly with what we're doing. Philippians chapter 2, where he was talking about.
about. I don't want to get too cray-cray on you. Uh, the kenosis passage there, that's a Greek word which means empty, and that's this beautiful hymn that they would sing in the early church around A.D. 36, family. Jesus dies about A.D. 30, but around 36, they're singing verses 5 to 11 in every church. They're singing this as a hymn to the King of kings and Lord of lords. So they would start with verse 5. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Verse 6. Who, being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or to use to his own advantage? Rather, he made himself nothing. He emptied himself. The Greek word kenosis. He emptied himself. The God of the universe, who's a triune God, who sent what we would call the Son, because Scripture uses that language, uses the language, sent his very essence. Colossians 1.15, he is the image of the invisible God, that is Jesus, the firstborn over all creation. So he sends his image, his essence, his begottenness, John 3.16, to the world. So now we get to see what it looks like. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a what, saints? Freedom is 
changed by the love of Christ, say, God, I will serve you in a place that's broken, that needs restoration, and I'm not worried about failing. I'm worried more about people seeing Jesus. That's the gospel. The gospel is we have the presence of God, so we don't need everybody else to love. And I want to remind us today, as Pastor Jerry Pollitt said eloquently, when he doesn't need, and I'm going to quote you, Jay Paul, when you don't need your wife's love, you are free to love her. Now, before you jump on it, let me just say this, which I want to dog pilot too, so let me get on top. But what I'm saying is this. If I need my children's love, then I'm free to love them whether they love me back. And if they don't love me back, it doesn't lessen my love for them. That's good love. We're so loved with, with the love of Christ. I cut one another. That is why God is calling us in this church to be totally different from all the others. Not to the church going wrong. That's their calling. But our calling is to raise up shepherds who will love God, live community, and serve others. We need shepherds. If he is going to be a great passing game coordinator strength for Ricky Reyes, then he has got to be a great shepherd. Either he is going to be a coach who is a Christian, or he is going to be a Christian who coaches. You can't serve two masters. You've got to have shepherds. You said, well, John, nobody's listening to me. I just want to say something to you. If you love Jesus hard, people will listen. Because God will send you. Look at David running in the caves. God sent all the people that owed taxes, all the people that were in trouble with the law, and all the people that were running from the government, which, by the way, made pretty good soldiers. So we are called. What the world said was crazy, God said anointed. There is an option three in your life. There is door number three in your life. What are we going to do with the door that God gives us? Do we have the courage to step out and say, God, I will shepherd my house. And by the way, you might say, well, I'm not sure. I'll just say like what, what the word says to Joshua. Joshua says, choose this day whom you will serve. For me and my house, we will serve the Lord. My kids don't have an option. My kids don't. You say, well, that's forcing. I just want you to know something. I can't force salvation on him. If I save him, he ain't saved. Because the last time I checked, John was the Messiah. John is a servant. Only the Holy Spirit of God can save him. No one can save Jesus as Lord unless it be from the Spirit. So do I love man or do I love Jesus? You say, but I want to love man. If you want to love man well, then love Jesus more. You will go to a place that will be your cross. You will have to decide, every one of us in this room, there will come a point where the people that we love the most, that can hurt us the most, come on somebody, Luke chapter 4, when Jesus' family and friends in his hometown took him to a cliff to throw him off because he prophetically quoted Isaiah 61, 1 through 3, and by the time they were ready to kill him, the king over death could not be destroyed by the ones who wanted to bring death. He walked right through them. You'll walk right through them too. It might take you to a place of death. God said, I'll give you life. 
day do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Death is not a cave, it is a tunnel to the presence of God. So what are we going to do? Do you have, do we have the courage of God to do what Jesus gave us an example of what to do, to walk in freedom when he was struggling at the cross and he's begging God, take this cup of suffering and wrath away from me. Three times he prayed the same prayer. Keep praying the same prayer to God. Don't let anybody lie to you and say, well, if I pray more than once and it's a lack of faith, would it Jesus have a lack of faith? And it was through prayer Jesus submitted to the will of God. And it will be through prayer that you and I submit to his will. And we will say, not my will, thy will be done. Enough for me. Galatians chapter 2, 21. Death of peace, Caesar said, and Ben Hur said, what would you choose today? Galatians 2, 21. After, in 2, 20, he said, I am crucified with Christ, and yet I live not I, but Christ who is in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. Verse 21. I do not set aside the grace of God. If we don't walk in the freedom, that is the calling that God's called to. If you don't walk in that, if I don't walk in that, I have set aside the grace of God, the special power presence of God. His promises. If I set that aside, I'm going to miss being the Jesus in the skin that people need to see. They don't read the Bible, they just read us who read the Bible. Where if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. The Ten Commandments don't save anybody. They don't save anybody. Honoring your father and mother do not save anybody. Josh, don't listen to that. Alright, good. Don't save anybody. The law is a mirror that shows us our dirt. And only the blood of Jesus can wash it away. <laughs> for if righteousness could be gained from the law, Christ died for nothing. Should I worship on Saturday night or Sunday? literally being 
one thing from you. Didn't you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard?
Jesus Christ is clearly portrayed in the gospel and that he changes you so that God will use you to change someone else. That's freedom. Freedom in the Lord means moving in his presence. Yeah, come on. See, that's freedom. Because I know this too well, and some of you do too as well. That's freedom. When people are willing to step out and not worry about what anybody else thinks, that's when you know Jesus is Lord. Robin, you can close. I'm going to keep reading because there's more. There's more for you. And you come when they hit you. You come. You come. Some of you that need to go pray with, what you waiting on? The only order that we have is Jesus. It is the gospel that changes. It's the gospel that gives us a heart to believe. It is the gospel. It is the transforming power. That's what happened. The which literally means in the Greek overpower. So they're praying right now by faith. They're saying there's nobody going to overpower us except Jesus Christ. Who's overpowering you in your school? Is it because you want to be a great athlete? Is it because you want to look good? Is that the power that you have? The identity that you have? Is it the money in your bank account? retirement that you have? Is that what makes you powerful? The last time I checked, there was no one who can stand in the presence of God unless they are chosen by God. Every knee will bow. Every president in the United States will bow. Come on. Come on. The gospel will set you free. There's no spell. The lie is that God can't do. Listen, bad things happen to us. But bad things happen so that Christ, he's allowed it so he can begin to glorify himself in and through it. He always takes evil and makes it good. Always. For those who surrender. That's why even in death we mourn, but we don't mourn without hope. Death of a relationship. Death of a physical body. The gospel's coming. You come as the Lord's leading. We don't want to be overpowered by a spell or a lot. But the gospel. Verse 2. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Which came first, chicken or the egg? Abraham believed, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Father, the law, the law came in Exodus chapter twenty, but in, but in Genesis chapter twelve, clearly there was a promise from God, and that's when the Spirit came. That's when salvation came. It is from the gospel that we get the Spirit. It is not from doing what's the law by getting the Spirit. The law brings nothing. Doing good for the sake of doing good brings nothing. But doing good for Jesus Christ brings everything to you. Because it's Jesus that transforms people. I want you to notice something that two scholars noticed. And this is why people are praying now. Abraham didn't go to God. God came to Abraham. That was good. God came to Abraham. God brought a promise to Abraham. God made the promise with Abraham. Abraham didn't make the promise with God. Today, you can be set free to walk and trust God, even if you 
why people are kneeling, the reason why people are praying and receiving a prophetic word, hopefully, from the Lord, is because of this verse right here. Are you so foolish after beginning by means of the Spirit, that is, walking with God by the Spirit of God? Are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Am I trying to make a relationship work by the flesh? Am I trying to make my job work by the flesh? If God begins in the Spirit, He doesn't need my flesh to add to it. He needs the Spirit of God to flow within us. And the only way the Spirit of God flows, I, I want you to know something. When people are set free, the Spirit is there. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom, there's liberty. So God is warning to not try to live this out in the flesh. I can't add my flesh to his word. I can't add my flesh to my prayers. I, what can I add? All I can do is just say, God, here I am. I'm so upset. I'm this or that. Or I need you. This person needs you. I need to intercede. Whatever it might be for people. I can't add anything. But God, you are so victorious. You are so victorious over the enemy. You can do anything. And I want to say this. Some people think that God is good when he fixes the problem. I say God is good when I go through the problem. When the problem doesn't stop me, God is good. See, that's what God wants. That's what people want to see. People want to see Robbie go through the problem. Amen? People can come along and try to fix the problem. If I needed money, people can give me money. But is God good when I don't have it? Is God good when I do have it? Is Jesus Christ the Lord overall or not at all? Is Jesus Christ conditional? Do I have my flesh to it? If he knows the number of hairs on our head, doesn't he know what we need and have it according to his riches and glory? There's a third option today. The world wants to say to us as a church, you have two options. You either don't bow the knee and get what the world can give you, or you bow the knee and dress like us, talk like us, act like us, smoke like us, but whatever it might be, whatever it might be, be like us in our job. Be like you. That's what the world says. But I'm going to tell you, there's a third option today, and his name is Jesus. And if you just let Jesus be lifted up, you don't have to draw anybody. He'll do all the draw. He'll do it. So then I expect this enough. But am I, I going to get God's way? You know, God, you know, God has stretched me through this. Y'all were sitting there. What's just happening? This is uncomfortable. Good. Welcome to my world. You want to know why? I didn't plan for any of this. And when God moves, that's when I got to get out of the way. Some of you in here need a word from the Lord. Don't say it. Some of you are praying about this upcoming semester. Don't say it. Some of your families need this. Don't say it. You're risen. God is asking to set us free. He's wanting to give us courage to step into it, to just trust Him. And it was through prayer that Jesus trusted the Father on the cross. And it will be through prayer that we trust Him to do what only He can do. What today do we need to step into that Jesus Christ means? Lord, you are setting us free today, and we're going to walk in freedom. And I have no idea what Rob is going to do. I have no idea what James is going to do. But I know this they're anointed by God. I thank you for the 
God, that you set the body dead. Help us not today to try to finish in the flesh what you begin in the spirit. Help us not to try to add ourselves to your work, but rather join you in your work. If you need to fix something, Lord, then we submit to the way Scripture teaches that you will fix it. In other words, if, if, if I need to win my husband, then I don't need to win with words. I need to win with actions, 1 Peter 3. If, if you're telling me that I need to win somebody's done something against me and i got to go and make a wife, even though I didn't do anything wrong, but you're telling me to lay my gift at the altar and go make it, then God, I'm going to go walk by your order and walk by my feet. Today, Lord, there's a third option. There's a third option for you. And his name is Jesus. You lead us, Lord. You lead us. If there's anyone here today, Lord, only you know the salvation of women and men. You know the salvation of these high school students. You know the salvation of these college students. You know the salvation of the grandparents. You know the salvation of engaged couples. You know the salvation of people in this room that are just checking things out. You know the salvation of teachers. You know the salvation of workers, of employers, of employees, of owners, of businessmen, of medical field. You know the salvation of men and women. And so if there's someone here today who is living in the bondage and trying to add to the spirit by saying, I got this, God. I'll let my good works outweigh my bad works. God, the problem with that is it's all wrong because it's not Jesus' work. And it can only be the work of Jesus that saves. So if there's someone here today, and they know that their hearts are stinking right now. 